0: Welcome to this edition of the golf central podcast presented by Callaway golf. I'm Lav. soon to be joined by Rex. We are live folks at the U S open. And if I'm being honest, this is take two Rex and I were about 10 to 15 minutes in the first edition of the podcast, lost internet connection here in this tennis arena. I think we uh, have established next to the curling curling court. I think yes. we're next to a, a curling court. Uh, very excited. Uh, we're certainly excited to be here at the year's third major, so much going on a lot of live talk, We'll certainly get into that. We'll definitely talk U.S. Open as well, since that's what you guys want to listen to. That's what we want to talk about, especially on the eve of the U.S. Open. So we're going to get into all that. It's going to be a jam-packed podcast. It should be a lot of fun. But first, the new Chrome Soft golf balls from Callaway are better for the best and better for everyone. This new family is available in Chrome Soft, Chrome Soft X, and Chrome Soft XLS. Each of these new golf ball offerings incorporates the company's new proprietary technology, the tightest dispersions consistently fast ball speeds and total performance And of course they deliver the soft responsive feel and control that players love these new golf balls are available now and you can head over to callawaygolf.com to see which chrome soft is right for you rex had internet issues now we are sharing a microphone like it's 2013 we're golf channel we're mbc sports and we're sharing a microphone like we're a bunch of hobos with this three dollar mic
1: And COVID. I mean, let's don't forget about COVID. What COVID? Yes, apparently no COVID. Although we are sharing a car this week, we can get into exactly why we're having to share a car this week.
0: Could definitely not do that uh, at Wingfoot. If you recall two years ago, that would have been a fireable offense Uh, if we were if we were sharing not just a microphone, but a car.
1: It could have been. We're not going to do that. Uh, We're not going to do this early in the podcast. I am going to point out that we just did a live from hit, and that live from hit included a lot of conversation about live golf, which is going to dominate this podcast spoiler alert right out of the top. However, we did talk about golfers. We did talk about the golf course. It is the U S open championship. I promise you good listener, please
0: stay with us. We'll get to the golf. We have to get through this stuff first. I'm sorry. I also think that's very, I think that even in itself is a polarizing conversation, right? Brooks Kepka, If you guys have been living under a rock this week, which I'm sure you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast at all on Tuesday here, at the country club. He said that he was basically sick of this conversation. He called it a black cloud. Black cloud is hanging over this U S open. Now you could look at the various motivations why Brooks Koepka would be sick of talking about live golf. Could it be potentially that he uh, is involved, interested uh, in joining them in the future? Certainly. Or maybe he's just sick of talking about it. I mean, he, he wants to talk about his golf and of course his U S open record. He's lost a total of just four players over the past four years. However, the point remained that he was sick of this conversation. And when I put it on Twitter, it kind of blew up. And I think it's almost split 50-50, Rex. People, people love it. They recognize this is a new story. They recognize that this uh, could potentially have a seismic impact on the top level of the professional game, not just this year, but for the foreseeable future, uh, if not forever. And a lot of people say, look, this is the U.S. Open. It's the year's third major. It's our national championship. Why don't you idiots just focus on the golf? Where do you stand on that?
1: Uh, I, I, I would like to sit here and say that I, I just want to focus on the golf. I would like to sit here and say that Brooks Koepka is right, that it is a black cloud that's hanging over golf. And I would like to sit here and say that we're not going to have to talk about this in the next, I don't know, pick a time period, six months, six weeks, whatever the case may be. That's simply not true because I guess what we have learned over the last few weeks is that there is no end game here. There is nowhere we're going with the, with whatever it is Live is going to become that there's a happy ending for either the PGA tour or live golf. This is going to be something that we're just going to have to learn to live with, I guess for lack of a better term, and that that probably isn't going to make bricks kept happy, or although maybe it will, who knows in this particular case. However, I do think at some point the golf wins out, and I'll go back to the PGA championship because I think we probably spent the first three days of that week having very, very similar conversations about live golf and how it was impacting our sport, how it was impacting how we treated the players in our sport. And by the time the first shot went in the air, by the time we got to Sunday and Justin Thomas was doing major championship things and and winning in dramatic fashion, we had turned to what was going on on the course. Mike Wan, the CEO of the USGA, said this afternoon that hopefully this live, praying that hopefully the live golf conversation stops tomorrow when the first ball goes in the air. I think that's being overly optimistic. I think we need to be realistic when it comes to this. And it's still going to be there. I just think that at some point we do start talking about the golf because as we talked last night and it was, it was, uh, you guys should have seen it. We walked from our hotel to Fenway park. We didn't walk. We, we walked briskly. It was a semi sprint. It was a fast walk. It was a fast
0: walk. And I, and
1: my Apple watch kept asking me, are you sure you're not working out?
0: my god sir your heart rate is through the roof seek medical attention if not
1: no i'm not working out i'm just walking very fast but as we talked last night it's just going to continue to trickle out like they're just going to whatever the next names are that end up signing with Live Golf. Let's name
0: names. Let's name names. Let's just recklessly speculate, or have even informed speculation.
1: We're not allowed to do that.
0: That's true. That is uh, page seventeen of the manual. As I told
1: you. That's right. You're not allowed to speculate. But there will be more names. We're not going to name names. And what they're going to do? They're just going to drop one a week, or, or two a week, or whatever the case may be. And they're just going to continue to do this, just because they don't want to be ignored. They want to be in the headlines, and that's the way you're going to maximize this. In this particular case. I think we're here simply because you have players who were in the field last week in London who have been suspended indefinitely by the PGA Tour and who are now right back, let's say, in the fold, in the family. That Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and Kevin Nile are all walking around the range in the locker room. Like, they don't know what the big deal is when it is a big deal. We all know that.
0: The players have talked about this. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think the, the biggest difference, Rex, was that at the PGA Championship roughly a month ago, this live golf was was still... Sort of this mythical thing that was out there in the ether. They may have been working on infrastructure. They may have been trying to cobble together their field list, but it was very much an unfinished product. And by all accounts, so even the writers that we've talked to who attended last week, like it was, it basically felt like a a regular tour event. You know, there was a couple of hiccups here and there, some some misspellings that you would never see at a PJ tour event. But look, they got fifty four holes of competition in, and uh, by all accounts, it it went reasonably well. And it's actually happening now. I mean, we're just four or five days removed from that first inaugural live event uh, being, if not televised, at least broadcast on YouTube. So it's here. It's happening. It's not going away. Uh, it's something that not just Jay Monahan is going to deal with, but also the entire uh, PJ tour membership to your point though, that it has dominated the conversation and, and it has every single conversation we've had with players uh, over these past uh, couple of days. It, it always returns to, to live golf. It, it's, it's not, oh, tell me, tell me about the golf course. It's not uh, what do you, what do you, you know, what do you think of some of the contenders this week? It is always, what are you hearing? Who's next? What's going to happen? in the future however once the first ball goes in the air on thursday i think the conversation will shift completely to golf i have no doubt that's the way it was pj championship that's the way it will be at the u.s open because we're not going to see any player announcements over these next four days it's just not going to happen that's bad business to kind of subvert uh, what is a huge uh, major championship.
1: i would agree with that and i would and just to catch people up and I think eventually we will get to the golf and and you're right. I think it's not going to overshadow the championship. We will have a winner on Sunday and you and I will sit down and we'll try to, to write it as best we can, just like we did at the PGA championship, but it's all of the nuances of this story. And so the idea here is we are sitting right, like like right in the middle of radio row here. And that's what you guys are hearing in the background.
0: Are these not soundproof?
1: No, I don't think they, I don't think it's soundproof. So we uh, golf channel obtained a memo. Keith Pelley, the chief executive of the uh, DP World Tour, sent to their players yesterday. By that, I mean I obtained a memo. Yes. Just
0: to, <laughs> that, was a, that was a humble brag. Uh, golfchannel.com.
1: Golfchannel.com, me, uh, obtained a memo. And, me, I- and this is why, because there's layers of this, and this is why it's fascinating, why people are going to pay attention and why you want to pay attention. And the memo essentially says that we haven't made a decision on how we're going to handle our members who broke our rules and went and played last week's live events, unlike the PGA Tour, which suspended those players essentially as soon as they hit their first tee shots. Those indefinite suspensions came out almost immediately after those first tee shots. Instead, the DP World Tour, the European Tour, said they're going to wait until June 23rd. That's significant because that's also the deadline for commitment to the Scottish Open, which is a co-sanctioned event between the PGA for the first time between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. Now, this is interesting because you could end up with half the field, PGA Tour members, who are playing by PGA Tour rules, which means that your Phil Mickelsons and your Taylor Gucci's and your Kevin Nas, who have been indefinitely suspended, won't be allowed to play. However, the DP World Tour does not have the same mechanism that the PGA Tour has. They cannot, under their rules and regulations, suspend players. They can fine them. I don't know what good that's going to do for these players who are playing lib golf. I can't imagine how much those fines could possibly be to be significant enough. But they can't keep him out. So you could have the Phil Mickelsons and the Kevin Nas not allowed to play in the Scottish Open. And then you could have the Ian Poulters and Lee Westwoods and the Sergio Garcias who are in. That's the first level here. I'll let you unpack so that.
0: The, so the question is just whether or not you're going to suspend them or, excuse me, find them. That's the only conversation that he needs to have over these next nine days. I don't even know if that's the only conversation. Then
1: the next step in the process is what happens to the DP World Tour. And the, the timing also dovetails here with there is a policy board meeting next week at the Travelers Championship for the PGA Tour and I've been told by multiple sources that in that policy board meeting there will be a discussion about the PGA Tour just outright buying the DP World Tour I don't know how that works is there a code you just scan and you punch in your card number Pelly 25 for, for, for a discount <laughs> is, there, is there a Venmo account that you just that's got to be a huge, a huge wire transfer going to your Bank of America account But that will be the discussion. And and that leads to a wider debate about short term and long term benefits for the PGA Tour. Because both players that I talked to had opinions on this that, sure, long, I mean, short term, it might help in where they are right now. And whatever this current dust up is would live golf long term. I'm not quite sure. Because what this boils down to is it gives the PGA Tour a piece of the Ryder Cup. The European piece of the Ryder Cup, which is a very good piece. You, so it gives them a seat at the table. at golf's five biggest events, the four majors and the Ryder Cup. And it also gives them pretty much they're going to cherry
0: pick the four or five biggest events on their tour. Yeah, And that would be the appeal, right? Like you're going to just co-opt. Four or five biggest. I think you have five. You have either Abu Dhabi or Dubai. You can pick and choose which one you want to have. Have that early season. You have the BMW PGA, obviously, which is the flagship event of the DP World Tour. You would take the Irish Scottish Open, which is a natural progression into the Open Championship, and you would then take, of course, uh, to me the the season finale in in Dubai. That makes uh, a lot of sense to have a late fall event, November, as kind of a a capstone uh, to what they hope would be a great year. I don't know what you do then with the BMW International Opens, the Czech Masters, basically the the rest, the non-Rolex series events that you currently have on the DP World Tour. But I, I I would see why, you know, short term, that that would be appealing to just kind of cherry pick those very, uh, th- those good events that you have on the DP World Tour. Now, I do think it is interesting, Rex, that it also could be a strategic play, not necessarily wanting to have the DP World Tour under the PG Tour ownership, which are also denying then Live Golf the opportunity to have that avenue, whether it's giving uh, your players a-, a chance to supplement their tournament schedule, uh, giving them a fallback option for the official World Golf ranking points. It- it's almost like playing... Offense instead of defense that that PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan has, I would argue, been playing over the past couple of months. And it goes beyond
1: that. You're you're absolutely right by denying Live Golf that slice, which is a direct line to the world ranking points and the Ryder Cup and everything else that it brings. That's certainly, like I said, that's part of the short-term victory that you're going to have here. Now the long-term issue is what you just pointed out, all of the events you're not going to cherry pick, all of the events that don't qualify in in our world as good events, whatever we're going to qualify, they still need to be subsidized somehow. And that's still going to be an issue because they're still not going to make money. It's still going to be a loss leader. And it's still going to be something that the PGA tour probably doesn't want to get into at this point. And I will also say that there's an element here of European tour players that don't like, that that don't particularly care for the idea of the PGA Tour taking over things because they know that they're just going, the PGA Tour is just going to take the good events and it's not going to create a real avenue for the European Tour players to play their way on to the PGA Tour. And by all accounts, if there is some sort of offer, if, if, if a Venmo request does come through for, okay, we want to buy this, that it would have to be approved by the membership. And I'm not quite sure they have those votes.
0: And keep in mind, it's kind of a backstory, I mean, three years ago, I think uh, three or four years ago, this Gulf Saudi group was uh, approached by uh, DP uh, World Tour Chief Executive Keith Belly about making some sort of deal, creating some sort of uh, world circuit uh, that was based in Europe, he rebuffed those offers, perhaps even leveraged them uh, to do the strategic alliance with the PJ Tour, which went into effect in 2020. So now he is mulling those two options. Do you uh, kind of further your relationship and basically get folded under the PJ Tour umbrella? Or do you uh, turn your back on that alliance and go into a different sort of relationship with Live Golf and, and potentially, not short-term, but probably long-term, turn what is Live Golf right now potentially uh, into a dominant force in the competitive landscape. That's where we are. Uh, and I think that's a very interesting wrinkle. It's probably getting lost in the weeds a little bit. But to me, that's, that's you know, over the next month or two, that's going to have a significant impact on, on where we're going with this conversation.
1: I don't even think we'll have to wait a month or two. I mean, I think it'll be clear by January 23rd. If, if Keith's response is there's nothing we can do to our members other than fine them, who went and played the live golf last week. I think that's a pretty clear message that, okay, then we're not standing with you any longer. There might be a strategic alliance,
0: but it's just, it's either, it's either fine or not. Like who cares? If you find them $10,000, what's that going to do?
1: Yes. Because my guess is the live golf folks are more than happy to pay those fines because this is going to create an Avenue for them to get into the world ranking game. It's going to create an Avenue for them to get into the Ryder cup game. So it's going to be a decision that happens sooner than later is my point.
0: Right. Right. But if you find them, that's not necessarily preventing them from playing. You're just slapping a a fine on them. And keep in mind, last place at the Live Golf event was $120,000. So, and Live, I'm sure, has a slush fund that will just say, yeah, we're going to take care of all of your fines, plus, of course, the legal proceedings that are are bound to happen out of this as well. And to wrestle
1: us out of the weeds, because I can just hear podcasts being turned off all over the United States on this one, the part that got me that was most fascinating to me is how – Players made this personal this week. I thought Justin Thomas was great on Monday. Put it into the context that, look, man, I grew up wanting to play the PGA Tour, win majors, play on Ryder Cups. And it just makes me sad that somehow that that's in jeopardy now because of look decisions that these people have made. And I might say that sort of tongue in cheek, but it's respectful. I think everybody to a man understands that, look, whoever is going to live golf is going to do it for their own personal reasons. I don't have any animosity. I don't think there's any real animosity between players on this. One. Just Phil.
0: Uh, I think there's probably some animosity towards Phil.
1: I did, I did get that. I got actually got that from Billy Horschel saying that it, only because of how public and how messy he made it. Only because he was so critical of the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan and those comments in the Fire Pit Collective. But everyone else, I don't think anyone's sitting around looking at Kevin Na across the locker room this week, just scowling at him. I mean, I think everyone understands you have your motivations. And you follow those motivations. Now it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt my product. It's going to hurt my tour, but that's not on you. That, that's sort of on me. John Rahm sort of voiced the same thing in the context of I've wanted to play with, he's wanted to play with Sergio Garcia on every Ryder Cup until the end of time. And now that's in jeopardy. All of those things kind of put a face on this, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I just think there's been such a wide spectrum of emotion. You have players like Bruce Kepka who are frustrated with the conversation. You have, I think, a lot of players who are anxious to see where this thing is headed. Billy Horford I think, you would put it in the uh, anxious category. You have players who are doubled down on their commitment to the PGA Tour, whether it's Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, or John Rahm. And I think you have a lot of players. Uh, I think Justin Thomas, you voiced it there well he's kind of resigned to the fact that the PJ tour that he has known that he's loved his entire career as uh, short as it is in the grand scheme of things is, is going to change irreparably. I mean, the, the bonds that he has created with these players, the bonds he's created with tour executives, uh, that bond is, is forever going to be changing. I think the big picture that it's now starting to be realized is that regular season golf, regular season, non-major golf will never be the same we're not going to have the same routines. We're not going to have the same implications. We're certainly not going to have the same field strength unless magically there is some sort of agreement that PJ tour and live golf officials uh, come to uh, kind of this, this cohesive schedule, which at this point, it seems too far gone. uh, You're it's, it's fractured. It's, it's fractured regular season golf is diminished in my opinion, in a significant way based on the proceedings we've had over the past month.
1: I understand the audio medium we have going here. So I was nodding my head as you were saying that. Yes, 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 yes. yes. That's brilliant. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and I don't know, you seem to have taken a little bit more of an alarmist approach. And I think this has a little bit to do with- My maybe, personality. Well, yeah, you're, you're the grief eater. And so you're always looking at things from from that perspective. I, I am not taking that. And I think the conversation you and I had earlier in the week was, up until this point, every name that has gone to live golf is a name- that we've expected. We've yes, seen this
0: was, this was the February conversation that has come to life. Yes. We we've known DJ has been making flirty eyes
1: at live yeah. golf and Phil nice. and Bryson. And the rest of them have been doing this for a long time. I am not going to hit the panic button until it's a name that I didn't expect until a John Rom or Justin Thomas or whoever else, like pick a name gets thrown into that mix. And then it's going to make me do a double take and kind of exhale with the, Oh, Whoa.
0: But I think you're eventually going to, to reach a, a, a critical mass where you know whether it's it's five top 10 players whether it's six top 10 players whether it's four top 10 players, I, like there's some number in which the product is is significantly diminished and the momentum the the power balance will shift to live golf i think that that point is going to come i don't i don't know when i'm not sure it's coming in the next month uh, I would certainly expect at this rate that it would come in the next year. But that's why I kind of taken, I wouldn't say an alarmist view. I think it's a, a realistic view. It might be even uh, pessimistic of the, of the current landscape. Like it's not going to stop. You're just going to see this trick. And we've talked about it on this a couple of times, like once that initial wave gets through, right. And they took all the backlash and they had to have that uncomfortable press conference in London. It just makes it easier for the next guys to jump and they can jump together. And it's, it's not as, it's not as messy. They don't have as difficult of, of questions to answer. It just becomes normalized. It becomes accepted. It becomes understood that this is what the new world order is going to look like.
1: I don't think it's as foregone as you seem to think. I think the tour and Jay Monahan still have,
0: everyone's got a number.
1: Everyone's got a number and they're going to find it. Oh, and I've said that all along. However, I still think the commissioner in the tour still have cards to play. They still have the world ranking card. Like what? The world ranking card. Not if they buy the not if they buy the DP World Tour. I mean, you're throwing some. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play your hypothetical game. What if they get two more top ten players? And what if they buy the DP World Tour? I'm gonna go ahead and hold off on the hypotheticals. If I'm you at this point, uh, they have you the
0: got, ma- You got game. You got to game this thing out.
1: They also have the major championships by and large on their side. And to bring this back home, the USGA just had their press conference this afternoon, and Michael Wan, the CEO, was asked point blank. Can you And I thought his conversation as to why they decided to let those players play this week was interesting for two reasons. I'll get into that in a moment. But the, the takeaway, the headline on that was, asked point blank, Mike was, do you foresee a time when these players will not be allowed to play in this championship? And his answer was a very quick and very definitive yes. Now, the reason they are allowed to play in this one, that's a bit of a larger conversation. But certainly there is a will there for at least, I would say, at least two of the three major championships and probably three of the four major championships to stand with the PGA Tour and make this more difficult for, for live golf. Uh,
0: I would agree with that. And it was interesting. Mike Wan uh, talked for 20 minutes uninterrupted, without notes, unscripted, <laughs> and, but asked, I would, I would say, the, the critical question of the day. He answered, he answered with one word, uh, and it is, yes, wow, this is highly uncomfortable. You and I are on TV, on TV right now. I'm taller than you today. Did you notice that? I'm taller than
1: you. Yeah, it's something to do with the camera angle because you and I switched chairs. So if I if I had to guess, I'm not a, a camera expert, but yes, I think it has something to do with the camera angle. And the other half of this was that I did find interesting. You're right. The one thing that that made the most sense, the one that the fascinating part to me was: yes, we're going to look at this. But this time around, it was twofold. One, the suspension just came down last Thursday. They were less than a week away from the opening tee shot at the U.S. Open. They simply did not have time to dissect all of these things and try to figure out exactly what they were going to do with these live golf players. The second one, which I hadn't really thought about, was if we decide to do that for these particular players, how are we going to vet the other players who may or may not at one point have gone over and played the Saudi International?
0: That's the the very definition of whataboutism.
1: Oh, no, I agree. But I see where they're coming from, because in this particular case, they have to cross the T's. They have to dot the I's. They just can't go into this willy nilly like they need to. Everything they do needs to have a rhyme and a reason and a purpose. And in this particular case, Mike's argument was, look, we, we can't do this just based on the fact that you don't like huge organizing these events, because up until this year, you were fine with him going to play the Saudi International, which
0: was essentially funded by the exact same money source. Yeah, I mean, that's the talking point that live golf is used. Like they had the, they had the memo to the players. Here's how you answer that. And it's, Hey, five months ago, you had no problem with us playing that. And I was actually, I thought that was interesting uh, that Mike Wan parroted uh, that, that sort of talking point and discussion topic. Now I I did notice several times that Mike Juan called out, this is the 2022 U S open. These are the, this is the qualifying criteria for 2022, making the point that they, have a system that is subject to change over the next couple of years and i think that's the wise strategy there's no need to make some definitive statement about what the 2023 qualifying criteria is going to look like because who knows and he made the point that live golf is different now than it looked four months ago it's which is how it looked different uh, a year ago let's see how this thing plays out let's see whether this becomes just a series of useless exhibitions or whether it becomes a legitimate viable tour that is the uh, appropriate step to take he doesn't have to make uh, that determination now, and he was wise to kind of pump that uh, for the future.
1: And he was also wise that he tried as best he could to turn the conversation back to the goal to turn the idea back to that we were at the country club in Brookline for the first time for a major championship in three decades. And the idea that this needs to be celebrated, that this has to be part of the fabric of the community. And I understand that. And I'm sure he hates the distractions. More than any of us, even more so than Brooks Kepka, although he didn't seem to have any interest in blaming the media and, and pouting out and talking about not living your life in the rearview mirror, which I don't even know what that means. You,
0: yeah, he said you can't, you can't drive while looking into the rearview mirror. It was, it was just like boom, mind, mind blowing. I was just <laughs> staring at him, and that was the last question. I was like, huh. I, I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, technically it can, you can get a feel for the road unless it's curves and yeah, you certainly want to uh, keep your eyes pointed forward, but no, I have no idea what that means. Um, and I'm not sure he did either, but he definitely felt good striding off the straight striding off oh, yeah. stage. You
1: didn't like his fortune
0: cookie. No. <laughs> I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if Jenna told him that one or, or what, but it made absolutely zero sense. All right, we're going to turn to the golf and we're going to do this in the easiest
1: possible way. We had to do punch shots for GolfChannel.com yesterday. So we're going to start at the top. Winning score
0: and your winner. Wait, we're not going to recklessly throw out names about who's going to live. I'm not. You
1: can, by all means.
0: Can you just name a name? Just, just one. Just give a little tidbit.
1: Go ahead. I'm good. No, nope. okay. No, I'm good. Okay, because I I'm going to choose to stick to journalistically. That I don't think that's sound to do. I'm going to sit and wait. I've heard plenty of rumors
0: you know what I, I used to have this conversation this uh, is a long this is a long segment that, they, that we were on. I didn't, you didn't. didn't quite I didn't quite realize that we were on this much I really wish they would turn down the lights you can see that I'm squinting I'm not an angry person I wouldn't say that I'm particularly venomous uh, you look at me on stage I'm squinting I'm glaring I'm scowling uh, that's not my personality I'm very I'm a very unserious person uh, you may be a very unserious person but right now, now you're sounding like the most narcissistic person on the I'm planet. looking at myself how am I not supposed to talk about it I mean, we're on a wife, podcast. Just wife, focus on wife texting and screenshots. Hair looks good. Uh, suit and tie look nice little combination. I'm very colorblind, but I think it. I think it works. Yeah, good stuff. Just turn down the lights. That's the only thing. That's your big takeaway.
1: You can't hear what you're saying. You have no idea if the content's worth anything. But it's oh, turned down the lights. That was dreadful,
0: rambling. I don't know. People are talking in my ear. I got distracted. Looking the lights, it's blinding. Lost my train of thought. You know, you know, you know how it goes. We were, we we're also in like the two forty five slot, which no one is watching. At least that's what I'm hoping. Turn it back to the tournament at hand. Give me your winner and the winning score. Oh, wow. We're not even uh, no. gonna, we're just going to just going straight for the kill. <laughs> uh, my winning score was four under par. Uh, don't know why. Uh, it's pure guess uh, is a par 70 this week at the country club. And my winner was John Rom. And Rex, I, I sat, uh, I sit next to you uh, in, in the press row here. And I said, huh, why do I want to pick John Rom?" <laughs> and he's the defending champion, obviously. I, I still think regardless of what the world rankings say, I still think he is the most complete player in the game. And I think this is the most complete test of golf that we have all season long. You need to drive it uh, extremely well. John Rahm is the best driver of the golf ball uh, on the PJ tour this season. You need to be very accurate uh, and precise with your yardages, which John Rahm is Uh short game is going to be uh, imperative uh, because guys are going to miss, uh, these short, very sloppy greens. And John Rahm, although Rex, you do not think that he is a good putter, I do. I would never diminish or never discredit John Rahm's putting in short game. Even though you have in this podcast many times.
1: I don't. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus here. I'm just going to like let's just let's just pick one area of the game. I, I don't know, just randomly off the top of my head. I'm just going to pick one area of the game. Did, do you think he puts well enough to win this championship? Oh, he puts
0: exceedingly well. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of it. i am like, That's your answer. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, he does, and in fact, his uh, his stats are markedly improved in that department. Uh,
1: I went with five under par. Still not sure. Actually, my original line was even par, and I thought that's ridiculous. Like these are the best players in the world. They they're going to shoot one two under par. Like the, the, so there's going to be someone who's playing well, putting well. Let's say John Rom.
0: Let's say he's putting well this he week. Well, every week, every single week, <laughs> John Rom puts well. Never has a bad putting week. Never.
1: Good. I'm glad to see you're clinging to that. And I went with Rory McIlroy as my winner. Of
0: course you did. I'm not. This is not, Folks, this is for the 17th major in a row. Rex has picked Rory to win. So untrue. Who did I pick to win the, the PGA oh, Championship? Justin Thomas. It just, take, it just took a historic uh, fun round comeback. And who won the PGA Championship? <laughs> in a pretty historic collapse. <laughs> but, but that's beside the point. Uh, Justin Thomas.
1: I like to celebrate the fact that I did pick the winner. I, I, I picked Rory. I don't feel great about it. I don't know. Back to back weeks are so hard. I just feel like what he did last week in Canada the way he drove the ball, that's like, that's the rumor that won majors by eight strokes. Like what I saw last week, that was the glimmer in his eye. I'm not saying he can do it on this course. We're going to talk a little bit about this course in a moment. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but I just, I really liked just that confidence off the tee. And I think that, that the next one was, well, I'll just transition to it. Rosa come close. What was it? Short, but no close, cigar
0: close, but dot, dot, dot. I don't even know what that means. Close, but comes, comes up short. I don't know. But yeah, my, that, was, that was that was Rory for me.
1: Uh, I went with JT. And, and I don't know how I feel
0: about that one either because I feel like JT's probably playing better than anyone in the game right now. Uh, he probably is. And if you look at data golf, uh, I'm sure he's the number one player uh, according to their metrics. The reason I chose Rory, I don't think he he can't win this champ. That's a double negative. I'm not saying he can't win this championship.
1: Win this championship.
0: I'm saying I have just a couple of doubts. And for me, it comes down to his iron play. We just talked about how this is a second shot golf course. It's a little more forgiving uh, off the tee, but you really have to be precise, get the ball on the correct tier and make sure that your distances are dialed in. And Rory, that has been his biggest weakness so far on the PGA tour schedule. We look at what he did in Canada and it was the, the that was the exception, not the norm. You look at his proximity uh, to the whole stats from kind of that 150 and in range, which is where he lives uh, after some of his mammoth drive. He's been somewhere around 150 on the PJ Tour this season. But in Canada, uh, he was inside the top five. Was that an aberration? Or has he dialed in uh, what has historically been his greatest weakness? I think uh, we're going to find out uh, over these next four days. Not saying Rory can't win this, uh, but he wouldn't be my number one pick. And Rex, it also, it would allow me to to trot out My favorite stat in golf folks. How many times has Roy McIlroy won a golf tournament worldwide in which the winning score was single digits under par? Well, twice the two majors he won by eight strokes
1: winning score was single digits under par not the winning score, but everyone else was single digits. Only he, he just played that much better than everyone else. You've been called out on this stat and you're still going to lean
0: into it. The Brits absolutely hate when I trot this one out on Twitter, but facts are facts, folks. He has never won a golf tournament in which the winning score was single digits under part. That's just food for thought. I'm just dropping some truth, some, some truth bombs on him. I'm glad you could go back and play some of the old, just trot out
1: some of the oldies and the goodies and just keep doing it. Let me ask you this one. If you could have Jim Cantore's
0: career or Jim Nance's career, which one would you want? Uh, considering I hate doing television, uh, I'm going to go with Jim Cantori because at least when you're in the field you're you're more reactionary as opposed to to kind of playing point guard, which Jim Nance does uh, I would say uh, ably. I knew the answer to that cuz you're you're a weather man at heart. Yes. We're not even going to have any weather issues this week. <laughs> you think back to Tulsa, right? It was it was scorching hot, sweating through my shorts. Uh, earlier in the week and then you get uh, on the weekend it was 35 on our winds the high temperature was was 55 this is this by contrast is going to be an exceedingly boring week we're going to have high temperatures somewhere between 75 uh, and 82 degrees you know 20 to 30 percent chance of rain winds you know 15 to 20 miles an hour this place is going to get baked it's going to get firm it's going to get fast i think it's gonna be a great championship to be honest with you Moving on to the next one. Who will be the biggest disappointment? You didn't name anyone. I do have one, but you didn't name anyone. That is not true whatsoever. Thank you for reading. Uh, I encourage everyone to go check out uh, GolfChannel.com. For me, my biggest disappointment was Brooks Kepka, Mr. Major, King Kepka, whatever you want to call him. You look at his major championship performance at the U.S. Open. Last four years, I think I tried it out earlier on this podcast. Last four years, he has lost to a total, a total of four Players that is uh, unfathomable, but really. But Brooks Kepka has uh, thrived in this format. However, there is nothing in his recent uh, form that would suggest that he's capable of summoning the goods here. He has not been a good uh, driver of the golf ball. In fact, he's uh, in the midst of an equipment uh, change right now. Uh, his major performance so far this year uh, with a miscut and a T55 at the Masters and the PGA Championship, respectively uh inspires little confidence as well and as i think his mood on tuesday suggested he's either got a massive chip on his shoulder or he is currently lacking uh in motivation and inspiration so brooks kepkif to me is my biggest disappointment
1: uh, i'm gonna take the other bass brother on that one i want dj uh he has not had a top 10 finish in a stroke play event since the players championship in march and i, I don't think his game is there and i just think the distractions that, that come along with everything Live golf related. No more
0: distractions.
1: He got paid. He got the money deposited in his account. <laughs> I, I still think there's a spotlight and the idea that this could be your he last didn't even major. have a press conference. The idea that this could be your last major championship, all those things, I just last don't. major championship. He's going to get kicked
0: out of the British? Could get kicked out. You don't know. We don't know what the RNA is going to do. Uh, that qualifying criteria was set months ago. If, it's gonna, if, if Martin Slummer is going to follow Mike Wansley, those guys are definitely going to be playing. I feel like he is going to follow Mike Wansley. But this could, again, could be his last major. No, the one you didn't
1: have an answer for is who could provide another TCC shocker. That's the country club shocker. This was one of our editors' decision, and neither one of us liked it. So you went with no yeah. one.
0: I mean, I, so I, I shot I shot back at him. I said, my God, Francis we met was more than 100 years ago. Why are we still talking about this? He was a Cup team uh that wasn't a shocker they were the heavily favored team and then they finally decided to wake up on sunday that was not a shocker to me that was just a stirring finish i said no one the reason i said no one was some of the uh, major championships that we've had i believe it was the last nine you look at the the guys who have won this and it's big dogs only rex it's Justin Thomas it's Scotty Scheffler it's it's guys like Dustin Johnson Hideki Matsuyama Colin Morikawa i mean it's 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 a murderers row among the best players in the world. The, the game is, is, is too deep. It's too strong uh, to have flukes uh, when these major championships, and I don't think it's going to happen uh, this week at the U S open either.
1: Uh, I went with Phil and my, I guess my argument was it, it I, I, I have been writing against Phil at the U S open. I don't know. I'm gonna go for five years now. Does that sound about right? I, th- I remember
0: our, our former colleague, Will Gray writing at Shinnecock this was basically writing his writing his competitive obit, saying this is never going to happen. And look, it proved to be correct so far. And no, I don't think either one of us wrote his competitive obit. I think we wrote his U.S. Open. Oh,
1: I just felt like that the golf gods were going to be against him. He's a six-time runner-up and this particular championship. This is the championship that's eluded him for the career Grand Slam. However, he hasn't done anything since winning the PGA Championship other than make headlines. And He didn't and do anything before the PGA Championship either. It's the fluke of all flukes. He's made headlines. He's gone into hiding. He's grew a beard. He showed up looking like dad after the divorce last week in London. Like he just looked bad. He, he doesn't have good answers. He doesn't have bad midlife answers. Crisis.
0: Midlife crisis personified. Worst lo-
1: midlife crisis in the history of mankind. So I went, th- this would be, uh, be beyond shocking if somehow he
0: found himself in, in contingency. How do you how do you think, right? So I think that's one of the big storylines. That's certainly a story that I'm going to be writing on Thursdays. How do you think Phil will be received by these Boston crowds who, uh, even in the best of times, uh, can be a bit mouthy. Uh, I think I said this yesterday before we went on air.
1: I was walking out on the range on Monday, and, and uh, one of the Boston fans yelled at me, from across the range. Hey, Rex, hey, who's going to win? And I felt like like firing back at him. Hey, man, do I come in your? I come in the accounting office and heckled you? Like, keep it to yourself. I don't, I don't have an answer for you.
0: Just shut up. You said nothing?
1: I, I just kept walking. I, kept, I, just, I think I put my He's hand in ignoring
0: the air. They're going to love that.
1: Uh, I don't, I don't have another, I don't have a better answer for you. So to that point, he is going to, I mean, they're
0: just, they're going to be brutal to him and DJ and, and the rest of the live players. I, I don't know. The, the scene that we've seen over these past couple of days and, and Phil is very much leaning into this. It, it's, I, it's probably not genuine, but he's, he's popping his thumb even more than usual. He's, he's given, you know, he's doing selfies uh, mid practice round. Uh, I think it's going to be 90, 10, Uh, support versus heckler security is going to be certainly uh, on alert on Thursday afternoon for any potential issues. But look, I think sports fans generally are a very forgiving bunch. I think we tend to get lost in our insular world of pro golf and think that, you know, everyone knows everything about this current landscape and what's going on. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If a, if not, if not a vast majority of the fans who are in attendance here, but a decent number have no idea that Phil doesn't even play on the PGA tour anymore. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If that was the case,
1: all it takes is one with, with too many Sam Adams. All, all it's going to take is one. Trust me. There's going to be, well, an I mean, incident. there's
0: going to be a, a couple incidents, but to think that he's going to be heckled and jeered his entire round, that there's that the place is just going to be uh, Armageddon. I don't think that's going to be the case.
1: It's not going to be pretty. All right. The question we finished up with, and I think neither one of us liked this particular question either. I think we both let our editor know about, well, any of the lib players, contend
0: i said dustin johnson just because i had no better answer i mean dj's record in the u.s open is is pretty good obviously one at, at oakmont i don't know you know where his frame of mind is again he did not uh give a pre-tournament press conference kind of skating as dj uh, tends to do look i think the distraction is actually behind him the issue now is is will he still be able to get up for these major championships. He said with the four-year deal that he has signed with Liv, he's going to play every single Liv event uh, plus the four majors, and that's it. He wants to do whatever the hell it is that he wants to do. Is he just comfortable getting paid, or does he actually want to add to his legacy and his history uh, by by winning more major championships? At this point, age 37, I don't know what that answer is, but Dustin Johnson is is still the most talented among that group. Uh, I went with Taylor Gooch because – before he announced
1: he was going with Liv Goff, he was one of the more, m- more consistent players on the PGA Tour, and this goes back to his victory at last fall at the RSM Classic, my fifth major before you get to it. I-, I just think if you look at how consistent he had become, he was going, he was working himself into that category that, oh, you weren't surprised to see him on a leaderboard. Now, I don't know what kind of impact, if any, because he hasn't been the guy who's been front and center. He hasn't been Phil Mickelson. He hasn't ans- had to answer a lot, if any questions about this i think there's a couple of guys that have skated kind of on this issue where instead of facing the spotlight and having to answer all the tough Taylor questions Jude said he was
0: too dumb that was his. he was too dumb to kind of get into the geopolitics of it all so, yes he did he did skate probably because his own admission that he wasn't smart enough to figure it out
1: and again he, he wasn't brought in for an interview this week i wouldn't imagine he's going to do pl- many interviews over the course of the week so i just felt like he was going to be the guy we are not home we have no barbecue grill at at a Residence Inn on the south side of Boston. But what are you looking forward to most?
0: Had a lot of hot dogs this week. Had a foot-long uh, hot dog uh, yesterday at Fenway. Uh, I've got it, Rex, that was my first time at Fenway. You mm-hmm. and I went. Uh, USJ hooked us up uh, with tickets. We were over by the Green Monster. We had a, a terrific time, a couple, a couple summer ales, uh, which were delicious as well. Fenway Park, I know you're a diehard uh, Baltimore Orioles fan. Terrific ballpark for, for – uh, a, a ballpark that's more than a century old. I love some of the innovations. It felt very modern and yet it still uh, maintained the integrity of the design and the acoustics of that place are insane. I could only imagine what a, a raucous playoff game would be like there. It was a yeah,
1: it was a cool experience and it pains me. I mean to the point that my stomach hurts just even admitting that because I hate everything Boston sports related. It's it's the Baltimore Sort of in me. So I, I don't have any appreciation at all for what they've done. But yes, even last night, and they were playing the Oakland A's, and I don't know who the
0: starting pitcher was for the A's, but he had a 9.0 ERA when he started the game. He's probably no longer a pitcher for the A's because he gave up, I believe it was six or seven runs in about three innings of work. He uh, very likely was optioned to wherever the AAA affiliate of the Oakland A's is. If, if not, just quitting the game outright, outright and is now working for Allstate.
1: I actually felt sorry for him.
0: Like, by the second inning, you're like, come on, don't do this to him. I actually thought they were going to keep him in the game longer. Just like, you're, you're clearly not going to win the game. You've put them in such a hole. At least get some innings out of them and, and save your save your bullpen for another day.
1: Uh, the ballpark was fantastic. The food was very, very good last night. But then uh, Monday night, we had tapas. Hidden gym. Yes.
0: No idea what it was called. Uh, our friends at the residence inn. Turo. 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 Sure.
1: Toro. T-O-R-O.
0: Sure. Uh, and we had a great meal with Billy Horschel, uh, joined us. Uh, uh, appreciate Billy uh, stopping by. That was, that was great. What are you looking forward to for the rest of the week?
1: I, th- I think what I'm, what I'm angling for, and we found ourselves in, in kind of a surprisingly cool neighborhood. Like you and I were not comfortable when we checked into this hotel. Like we, we didn't feel like it was in, in the best part of town. But then we walked to the game last night. And it, we,
0: we saw a bunch of cool restaurants. So there's a couple Italian places close by. I think I want to try to check out. Yeah, we certainly walked quicker in places than others. Uh, but yeah, the neighborhood, uh, brownstones are, are, are beautiful there. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a great Italian, great seafood around here. We're certainly not going to have barbecue. It's, it's one of those rules that, you know, once you get above the Mason-Dixon line, uh, you're not going to go in that direction. Rex, if you could give real quick, real quick, you picked your winner. People have office pools. People are degenerate gamblers. Throw some names out of guys that it would not surprise you. Not this is only gonna win. Not surprise you that they should pick in the pool. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, so I'll I'll start. Guys like Tony Finau, three top fives in his past uh, five events. I like Tony Finau this week. Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, one of the best players, strokes gained total on the PJ Tour this season. Obviously won the 2013 U.S. Amateur here. I've seen a lot of love for Shane Lowry. One of the best iron players in golf certainly has that bulldog mentality, uh, that hard nose mentality that you need in a U.S. open as well. Who else you got?
1: I was going to go with Gary Woodland and this goes back to, I remember being at, uh, he, no, he has not played his best golf, but I was talking with him does this form, morning. Does form matter not? not? Uh, it does. However, in this particular case, he immediately because I was trying to find the equivalent of whatever, and I haven't found, by the way, an equivalent to whatever it is the country club is like. I, I even asked Jason Gore, who sets up the golf course, who does a great job for the USGA, and he goes, "There isn't in major championship golf." Like, and he goes, "What? What has surprised me is players showed up
0: here thinking Oakmont." And it's not that at all. It's it's quirky. It's it's intimate. It's 7,200 yards. It's 7,200 yards. You have a good combination of short par fours, long par fours, short par threes, 98-yard par threes, potentially going to have one day here. It's a variety is the word that I've heard most often uh, with players talk about this golf course.
1: Which I think it's going to lead to a mix, an eclectic leaderboard where you could have your Gary Woodlands. And of course, you, we're going to put Rory in the conversation and JT and anyone else, John Ron, anyone else you can think of. But I, I also can imagine a scenario where, and I'm just going to throw this one out there, Kevin Kisner plays well because he doesn't have to hit a whole bunch of drivers around here. And suddenly he's playing from the same spots as everyone else. And instead of having the five iron versus Rory's wedge, you're both hitting nine iron now. And I think that squares things to the point that it could end up being one of those championships that you look at the leaderboard on Sunday afternoon and there's 10 guys who have a chance to win.
0: That's good. Because I think the kind of characteristic we've seen over this past couple US Opens is guys, whoever hits it the longest, whoever hits it the farthest, whoever is able to gouge out of the rough, uh, the best is the guy who uh, wins the u.s open i don't think that's going to be the case at all john Bodenhammer, the USJ uh director of championships good would not necessarily go in that direction saying you know you can't predict the future uh, but I, i'm i'm in total agreement with you i do think you'll have a very eclectic leaderboard uh come sunday are we potting sunday night or are we gonna wait we're we gonna do this sunday night i think we should do it sunday night it'll be fresh uh we're probably going to be filing late given, given the deadlines, given the finishing time for this U.S. Open. Hopefully not going to have an aggregate two-hole playoff, uh, even though we've always had a playoff in every event that has been staged here uh, at the country club, even going back that big Merch would love uh, in 1913 with that Francis. We met victory folks. If you don't want to hear us on the podcast on Sunday, you're probably have to wait till Monday. To listen to it. Anyway, let us know in our Twitter replies. It's at Rex hogger, GC. He's probably gone uh, viral this week uh, for all the wrong reasons, but thank you guys for listening to this golf channel podcast presented by Callaway golf. We'll be back Sunday, maybe Monday. And who knows? You might even have to have an emergency pod. If another wave of defections to live golf happens next week. Thanks guys for listening. Talk to you soon.